Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's the intro. Just me blowing my nose. Yeah. Under the trench coat. Under the trench coat. With rolling in the king. <laughs> I'm ready. Ridiculous. Hello and welcome to Under the Trench Coat, the after show bonus episode for Riven, the Shattered Continent. I am Ken Brown, your dungeon master. I'm Brad, still holding back tears. I'm Nick, and I need to think more before I write lyrics to songs. You know, I'll, or be I'll, able to do quick edits on them if, in case I, I, I cluster bomb your feelings. I forgot that I put him in there, and if I would have tried, I don't know who I would have put in there instead because it would have fucked with the syncopation. I will jump right in though and say that as I was writing this, even I was like, maybe I shouldn't include Phil because there was part of me that was contemplating inevitably when we spoke with Phil telling him to go home and in episode as you were like making Phil like awkwardly tiptoe around what he wanted to say I kept I was urging myself to talk to either interrupt you or hopefully at the same time as you and have one of those moments where Phil's like I think I should leave and I wanted Harper to say Phil I think you should go home but I sat on it because I was like, no, I don't know what Ken's going to say. Like, I'm, I'm thinking this is one of those moments where I get it, but I don't want to hurt Phil's feelings if he's like, I'm ready to do more. Like, I want you guys to to give me more because that was scary. But because uh, I, I, I didn't fully know where that was going to go. And I didn't want to poo poo all over if Phil was going to have some like I'm becoming bigger than myself moment. I don't want to be like, we're benching you. <laughs> that's but nice I, phil but uh fuck you hindsight but, i wish i would have just fucking gone with my gut and we could have had that because i feel like it would have been serendipity serendipitally beautiful um but whatever the song hurt my heart though there were quite a few things that were decided by the dice tonight. oh fuck your dice Fuck your dice hard. Uh, Man. Phil, Phil was one of them. Because we had already gone in into great detail about Phil's feelings on all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his starting to like his, his detachment from the events like yeah 
And and so th- this was kind of my like I was like, you know, I could see it go either way because he does care, especially about you two. Uh, but like we we've talked about is that what what adventurer has like a happy family at home and goes off to slay dragons. Uh, Phil does. Phil Phil did. <laughs> uh, more precisely, but uh, I, I I let the dice decide that one because I felt that that was the best way that I could. I didn't want to just make that decision. I uh, because I could easily justify either side of that coin. Uh, and and so when it landed on that, I was like, you know what? That that is the one that makes sense. It the entire reason why he started with this was for them, and for him, the reason that it ends is for them too. Mm-hmm. And I, I it, not only was that, I think the most narratively, uh. Uh, trying to think of a fancy word for it, but it, it was the thing that made the most sense. But it also felt for for a loving father to to go out and fight monstrosities that are beyond him. You know, that's 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 a lot. Well, and f- from from Harkus's perspective, the reason I was entertaining the thought. Um, was this is the second time and a much more real time that Phil has almost died. Um, yeah. So for Harkos, it definitely it definitely boiled down to like not that we don't appreciate you, but exactly what I said in episode. Well, I tried to say it a lot nicer than this in episode, but Trevor and I, we got nothing. We have each other, and that's it. Like obviously, well, we each have more in not ways. Anymore. We okay. No offense to Brad and his decisions. No offense to Ken and his NPCs. Lenara means fuck all. Uh, Lenara is just going to be someone to we... Look, if you do a character death, that's on you. And Lenara is now just someone that you've created to cry over your dead character sheet. And I'm not saying because we're playable characters. I'm just saying because of everything that's happened, Trevor and Harkos are going to have to see everything through, whether it's us dead right. or however the fuck the other end of this plays out, because apparently Cyraxis can't be killed anymore because Malus asked us not to. Anyway, um... Well, that's all on you. However this plays out, whatever, whatever the end is for these characters, whether they die before the end of the campaign or it's the end of the campaign, Trevor and Harkos have Trevor and Harkos. They have their little NPC connections too, but at the end of the day, Harkos is going to do as we saw when he lied by omission to Phil. Harkos is going to do whatever he can for Trevor to a fault despite everything. Like, there are so many things that you would think would sway Harkos, and they have in the moment, but at the end of the day, Harkos will lay down his life for his brother-in-arms. And I don't want to speak for Brad, but I feel like it's mirrored. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, Literally the only reason I took Ray's dead. (laughs) And 
<clears throat> Phil does have people. I mean, fuck, Lenara has people. Lenara has the crew. Avalon, I don't really know. I don't know how the Heralds feel. I mean, she has mom and dad just as much as Harkus has mom and dad. But Evelyn has the crew. There was part of me when, when Brad was asking Lenara to, to dinner that I wanted to backpedal a little bit and say that Harkos talked to Evelyn just so it wasn't like it didn't... Because there's part of me that feels like it's a little bit of a cold cut between the two of them. But it's not like there was a ton. It was a it was a, it was a piratey drinking fling. Like there was never anything too terribly serious. Not from Harkos' perspective anyway. And he, yeah, he honestly, I, I he just you... associates it as a, as the pirate experience. Like, it's all lumped into one evening. And it ended on a sour note. A very large, <laughs> draconic sour note. Uh, and I mean, you, you... The short time that you've known Evelyn is that she's not tied to yeah. anything. She's, she's not going to be one that's going to hold... She might bust Harkus's balls over it a, a time or two, but it's not like she's going to have hurt feelings. Yeah. So... Uh, but, but yeah, I, 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 Harkos, I think, understands that Harkos has Trevor, Trevor has Harkos, and, and that's all we really need. And so we're going to keep doing this because the other one's always going to keep doing it. Whereas Phil has people that he needs to go to. So even, even if you would have rolled the other way, I, I 100% not bullshit. I would have tried to assuade Phil not to come with us, which would have been harder to do because it would have, he, Phil, I think, would have taken it hard. Uh, like he said, he's like, there's part of me that wishes like you would ask me, but I'm so relieved that you're not. And there was there was part of me that like it would be very hard to be like, obviously, we want you here, but you can't come like you're not going. Which would totally shoot my argument in the ass of like, well, we let people choose, except for you. You don't get a choice. Except for you. <laughs> we are telling you what to do and you're staying. Uh, so not not to push past this. No, but, we, we uh, need to. There's, there's plenty more. But there's, a, there's a lot more that you could talk about there. But, you know, we, we, we have a lot of episode because this was this was dense. Uh, William. Fuck you. That one hurt. More hurt. precisely, fuck your dice. <laughs> but yeah, that hurt a fucking lot. Uh, uh, and then you made me talk to Tyrellian. I. I had I had a brief moment, which I know you probably did on purpose. Where so I went through a roller coaster of emotions in about five seconds. So you said there was a survivor, and again, I did not remember the whole William and Tyrellian being up in the air thing at all. My brain is fried. Didn't remember that at all. So you said there was a survivor and I was like, well, I'm going to go fucking help somebody. And then we were moving the rubble and you were like, and you see this cape and I was like, oh fuck, it's fucking William. And then you were like, and it has the crest of like gibbous on it. And then I was like, well, who the fuck would that be then? Not thinking about the fact that the guard would wear the crest of the king. So for about 0.2 seconds, I was like, well, I don't know who the fuck that is. And I was like, no, 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 it's William. And then I was like, cool, we're going to get William. And then you're like, it's a body. And I was like, no, 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 no. you said survivors. And then, you, <laughs> and then you said the kids. And it hurt, but it, it it hurt more that it made sense and I didn't want to fight it. Like there was no part of me that wanted to be upset about what you did in a, in a, in a, in a strong enough way that I wanted to yell at you for it like Brad did. 
<laughs> because because the interactions that Harkos and William have had, it just it made sense. So Harkos was it sad. Did. Yeah, and I I know you get that. I know you're just being a brat about it, but uh, but it it hurt Harkos, but he knows. Hargos knows in his heart that in William's final moments he wasn't afraid. Yeah. That William William might have been sad that he wasn't going to be able to do more. But ultimately he did what he was always going to do and he gave everything to the city that he felt like he owed everything to. The 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 biggest part of me that feels kind of bad is I almost feel like we just kind of brushed past it. And in episode, I was very emotional, so I didn't I didn't really want to say anything. There was part of me that wanted to, like, say some words as he took the body away. But I was like, nah, now's not the time. And then we went to Brad, which, I again, I was cool with because I was like you said, you were getting choked up. I was my eyes welled up completely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I, I couldn't really brain my way to say anything. Um so depending on how the King stuff goes, I might try and say something for William. But if not, I mean, I'll just have Harkos will always have in his thoughts, William and, and his sacrifice for sure. Uh, but I guess that's what that's the plus side under the trench coat is we can express that we know that in episode we might only focus on it for a couple minutes. But it, I mean, it did mean a lot. Uh, that whole exchange for sure. Not not to twist this dagger either, but uh, I'm currently not not right at this very moment, but I am currently writing a Riven Tale. I almost asked you after last episode to write one for him because of his potential to kick the bucket. But I was like, I don't know if I don't know that me making that kind of request was was OK. Also, I was like, I don't want to jinx uh, his chances. Um <laughs> Uh, as as soon as the uh, when I I rolled as I rolled all this stuff today, uh, as soon as I as soon as I rolled it, I was like, "Yep, that I need to I need to get something written." So it'll be it'll be William and his last acts upon upon the world. Good uh, man, fucking deserves it. But on the on the opposite side of that coin was uh, Tyrillion, who went through some stuff. It, it, that one that one I had a harder time with because I was like, it it feels like his arc would be better served to die. I uh, it there was so big of a part of my soul that was like, I want to flip those roles. That, I, di- and I make, disagree. And I, I know like it, it, I'm right there with you, but I was like that. William was to me a much more interesting character to yeah. be able to see what happens but, going forward. But on the, uh, but it's not like, Tyrillian won't be. And but, and you know, I've tried to play into how much his character has changed from the first interactions that you had with him to this point and uh seeing where that growth will go, I think is maybe it's not as emotionally charged as Williams would have been, 
but it's still it's still going to be impactful in, in its own in its own way. Well, this this is one of those where I definitely think th- this is why D and D is crazy, and and it being at its core a game of chance is fucking crazier even still because I agree with what the dice did. I feel like the dice knew exactly what the fuck they were doing because William, I'm sure whatever could have happened going forward would have been great. But William was already great. Not that he couldn't be more, but William... There was never a point where either of us really disliked William. And not that we super disliked Tyrellium, but we had doubts and all that stuff, and I'll get to that in a second. But William was always decent. He was always trying to help. Maybe he didn't believe the dragon stuff, but who the fuck does? Like, you can't fault him for that one thing that sounds like fucking crazy talk if no one's heard of it. Um, So... William progressing, obviously, it would have, it wouldn't, that wouldn't hurt. It would be awesome to have this fucking shield of Aetherport uh, still prouncing around doing some crazy shit. But for him to fall in that way is, is, it feels like how his story should go. I mean, that's, that's the hero's story. You spend your life doing this thing the big bad thing that you always prepare yourself for, but you're like, it's never going to happen. Life's too good. Everything's too perfect. I'm just going to be a guard. I'm going to retire old. I'm going to live with my family. Everything's going to be great. That thing happened, and William gave everything to do what he always said he would do. On the other side of that, the dice decided that Tyrillian, not that he was a douchebag to begin with, he's just a merchant prince, he's rich, and we were drunken, well, I was drunk, and we were disorderly <laughs> towards him, you know? So, like, I'm still in the camp. That I don't think the guy's necessarily an asshole. I think Ken did a really good job of reacting to how big of an asshole Brad and I were. <laughs> At the end of the day, I mean, that's what he did. Like, the guy didn't want us there because we were no one, and then we started spreading a bunch of bullshit that wasn't bullshit, but he didn't know. And so now he gets his redemption arc. Not that he's necessarily going from bad guy to good guy, but he's he's he feels apologetic and he's he's fixing his fuck up. And he's going to I honestly I don't know what all he's going to be able to do, but I feel like he's going to go from merchant prince and whether it's through wealth or a change of lifestyle, he's going to become something bigger than himself to help to aid in this in these efforts. That, that are that are coming down the pipeline and again not that William couldn't do that but it's going to be so much bigger for Tyrillian to do that than it would be to watch William do that so it's it does hurt that William's gone but I I mean the dice know what the fuck they're doing man they really do and I mean if you look at it from the perspective of like looking at the whole of Riven from from the skies, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it, it, the impact that somebody like Tyrillian can have on the world as a whole is much bigger than the captain of the Royal Guard would be able to have. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah. He can, he has some amount of influence in, in, in all this because of his position, but uh, that's nothing compared to, you know, someone who was the head of a very wealthy, powerful family. Uh, and so I, you're you're correct, absolutely. That you know that there is a lot that Tyrellian can do, and 
from what you're seeing of him, he is going to continue to do. Uh, moving on. Uh, again, I've, I, we're flying through stuff, but again, it was a very dense episode, so I want to make sure that we we talk mm-hmm. about everything that we want to we want to talk about. Um, it's it, it, <sighs> fucking dinner. <laughs> uh, the, I I think that one of my favorite moments that I've I've crafted out of just just my ass was Lenara pulling up her hand with a fucking ring on it. <laughs> that you you made that you you know I look over I look at Lenara like yeah it's nothing it, 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 blah 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 and then she holds up this fucking jeweled ring on her <laughs> on her ring finger is like yeah except for when you gave me this like that was one of the that I I pulled that so far from inside my colon <laughs> I like uh, I like how mad Brad got that he's like really my fancy clothes are the one thing you remember from when you were blind <laughs> fucking drunk <laughs> just goes to show how how vastly uncharacteristic that was for Trevor. That <laughs> <laughs> Harkas is drunk and super like he just woke up the next morning, doesn't remember the fucking uh rhyme being Ma- Master Elijah, doesn't remember that he's a dragon, doesn't remember he met Cyrat, none of this stuff. He just sits up and he's like, Were you wearing a suit? Last <laughs> like last night did we go see the king and you were in fancy clothes with no armor, no weapons? Really? Is that a thing that happened? Am I crazy? Am I in a bed? What is a bed? Why? What's going on? Uh, that that whole little segment there turned yeah. very bonkers very yeah. fast. Yeah, it did. I don't think we'd be talking about dinner if Brad wasn't part of this show. <laughs> because, I mean, it wasn't boring, but like, there wasn't anything crazy until Brad non-proposal proposes. <laughs> did you like that? No. Did you did you did you not notice that your best fucking friend was flabbergasted? <laughs> it wasn't a proposal. I just asked her to go out with me. The last time you showed this level of emotion, I pulled you back to the mortal fucking plane. <laughs> 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 I think I think I had a, I don't think I knew this consciously in the episode but I think part of Harkus's reaction was a bit of a tinge of jealousy like <laughs> like not that I want to be in a relate not that Harkus wants to be in a relationship with Trevor but just like uh, wow someone is encroaching on meaning more to Trevor than I do <laughs> <laughs> well you say that but uh, your your old boo is in town. Oh, I am I am very aware that you brought that up. Mm-hmm. I, I am yeah. very aware that that was brought up in the in the in the synopsis of the month. Yeah, just saying, you know, uh, all the powerful people are going to be there tomorrow. Maybe maybe you'll catch a glimpse. I hope she's there. I just hope she's not there for that reason. I don't think she would be. Uh, I hope she's just there to kind of see what the fuck's going down. Well, and, 
you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of representatives from a lot of places that are in Aetherport right now. And so you're probably you're going to get a smattering of all kinds of different like, you know, govern, go- you know, governors and and other like high ranking officials that are all from different areas. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, because it's the capital, you know, whether there's like really like big open lines of communication to them or not, that's still the that's still the capital. And uh, everywhere is to a certain extent beholden to Aetherport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're if the cry goes out for help, then they kind of have to answer. So I, it's not... Uh, what you know of Melia, that's probably not what her aim would be to get here. But, you know, power does weird things to people or the prospect of power does weird things to people. I guess you'll you'll find out, you know, in next recording session. All right. To inch away from this uncomfortable conversation, Brad, <laughs> uh, I want to throw a kudos out to you because many many sessions ago couldn't tell you which one um you were the one who said that okaido and the shining city were one and the same yeah I think it was it was it was it in an episode or an under the trench coat i think, or was it, it, a game I think night? it was i think it was under the trench coat. i know it was in a recording okay um, I, I couldn't remember because i remember it being talked about at game night one night and yeah. i i just had a I, really hard time because we were talking about it and I was like, oh, God, I just I remember <laughs> I made some comment and then Brad goes, what if they're the same thing? And I was like, you shut the fuck up <laughs> because I in that instantly in that moment, I was like, I don't want this to be like uh, like exactly what I said. I both wanted it and don't want it, you know, um, and so I I did not expect that information to come to light in that moment. But as it started unfolding, I I did. I was thinking to myself, I was like, don't say it. Don't say it. There's so much already that I'm dealing with emotionally. Do not fucking dump this too. And then you <laughs> went and fucking did it anyway. So, um, yeah. However, however, uh, already know the title to one of our future episodes. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh that was that was one of those those cards that I had up my sleeve for such a long time that uh, it felt very satisfying to finally be able to play it. So it, I'm, again, I'm sorry, but, you know, it makes sense. I just there's part of me that didn't want it to make sense, you know, it, <laughs> it and it makes sense on such a like uh, such a like a deep level to Harkos is that you were home this whole time, but had no idea that this place that you, that you lived, that you grew up was so tied to your past and you just had no idea. And it also makes sense why, despite everything like unbeknownst to me, like I was just doing it for backstory. I'm giving myself goosebumps while I think about this stuff. Unbeknownst to me, I was doing it for backstory purposes, but if we harken back to Harkus's Riven Tale, Harkus made the comment of like, I have wings, why don't I just leave? So, it wasn't intentional, but now it could be that like, something in his core told him that he needed to be there, that he was supposed to be there. 
and right. he he brought up like to Master Elijah. He's like like when Master Elijah was like, "You don't even appreciate this place," and Harkos was like, "This place is truly beautiful." Like he did appreciate, despite everything, he did love where he was. He just hated the way he was treated. And it's just it's one of those things that like I I hate Ken for making it so poetically beautiful. <laughs> But God fucking damn it if it's not poetically beautiful. And it's one of those other things that, like, our audience <laughs> members don't know us well enough that, like, it could 100% be scripted. Like, sometimes this stuff is so synergistic the way it works out right. that, like, it seems unreal. And the best we can do is just, like, guarantee you, like, obviously we had no fucking idea and it's just beautiful. Nope. Uh, uh, if, if anything, it's because we've all played together for so long that we do it by accident. Like, obviously, Ken did it on purpose, but Brad and I, on a subconscious level, pick up on shit, and so we implement things into our character that build into Ken's subconscious level that he already knows is going to happen. And that's probably us picking up on hints that we don't know we're picking up on at the end of the day. We're probably too stupid to see them on the surface, but somewhere (laughs) in our character building, we're picking up on things, and it's building into stuff, and Ken just doesn't tell us because it's beautiful. Uh, I I love these moments and the, these these kind of things that like getting to see these strings, you know, because if you go back and you you think about our first episodes, how disjointed some of that stuff seemed at first. Mm-hmm. And then you watch as so many of these threads start coming back onto themselves. I mean, it it's that is probably I go back and forth so much as like when I get towards the end of a campaign, I'm like, God damn, I'm fucking exhausted. I'm mentally and emotionally and physically drained from trying to put so much of my my soul into what I do with these. And, you know, maybe that's a little bit pretentious to say, but I I I want part of me to be in everything that I want. And if I leave a little bit of me behind with each one of those things, then you know, maybe I'm, I'm hoping that that is good. And I, I go back and forth because it's so exhausting and everything, and then uh, you know, that something sparks that I'm like, God, I, I can't, I get these ideas, and then I start I start raveling things and then like, oh, and and then I I take a thread and I pull on it and and I I try to figure out where all this stuff is again. And I'm like, God, I can't wait to fucking run something again. And, you know, like running the uh, the little like Quinta shot that we did for in between uh, Brad's game and Tomb of Annihilation. That was fun. Getting Mm -hmm. to getting to step back into into our little shared world and explore it in a different way was exhilarating. Oh, that that night during Brad's campaign where he made me pseudo DM again, like he's like, oh, you guys are back (laughs) playing next game. And I did the little it was just pure exposition. That's what sealed the deal for me on wanting to actually run a game for you guys, (laughs) like like actually watching that shit unfold on your faces i was just like okay i want to i want to try this i want (laughs) i I want to do this thing there's there's a beauty in it it's stressful it's it's difficult it's draining but 
God, does when you get those moments, it feels fucking good. Which is why I give you bo- both kudos, because I would love, in, in the back of my mind, I would love to do one on the podcast for, for the peoples, just so they could get a feel for how I do stuff, too. I don't think I have the fucking cojones. I, I don't I, either. And and maybe that'll change after I run my... Uh, shut the fuck up. Maybe, no, I'm then, not joking. Maybe maybe that'll change after after I run mine, which is whoever who knows how the fuck long down the road. Um, since we're going to 100% TOA, which is going to be fucking awesome. Uh, it's going to be sad, but it's going to be awesome. Um, maybe maybe that'll change. Maybe I'll have a new uh, a renowned confidence and I'll and I'll we'll we'll talk about that when we hit that point in life. And uh, maybe I'll do something then. But uh, like there's I've had thoughts sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I DM'd on the show. And then I think about it a little bit more. And I'm like, no, I don't. No, I fucking don't. Not right now. I don't. I don't I don't know nearly enough that I, I would be especially editing myself. We I wouldn't air anything. I think that would be the most difficult part is is it, you know enough to run. You you do. There's there's no doubt in my mind. I don't think that you even I yeah, you have to have some grasp on the rules, but if if somebody wanted to DM and they just had a passing knowledge, fucking do it. Because yeah, as long as I, you're not in a group of shitty people that are gonna yeah. send you over a barrel and show you the fifty states, you're solid. Yeah, if you're able to run a game with people that you that you know and trust to not try to fuck you, fucking do it. Because you know, there's nothing that's stopping you, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you know, it, there there is no way better in my mind to learn the ins and outs of this game than to run it for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know that's so much of the job is you know how do I make what this the, what how do I make this crazy fucking thing that my friend wants to do work? And, mm-hmm. You know. You know, I I have my failings and I, I, you know, maybe I don't remember something or I stumble on, you know, like I, I misremember something or, you know, but I, I, I don't think that that makes me any lesser. It just makes me a person who is, you know, doing this as, you know, they already have, but I, I have two kids and a wife and a house and a job and dogs and all that, you know, that this is something that I'm doing just on the side and uh i you you have to it's hard to remember that sometimes because yeah you you want what you put out to be perfection and people by nature are not perfect so you know that's not going to happen but anyway that that was a long that was a long rant there's a lot of forks in that trail. Uh, hopefully, everybody that's, made it back. That's to that's why you you got to make sure you you find your people before you you bite into that sandwich because you do it with a bunch of strangers and you might run into that oh, where right. where your your group's going to be like, oh well, you could have done it this way. You don't need people to critique you in what you could have done. You need people to critique you in in helping you do what you want to do. So, yeah. like in our group, I think any of us, if we wanted to could run a game and we're all gonna enjoy it some modicum of an amount and yeah. we're all going to make it fun for each other because that's what we're there for and if you're surrounded by the wrong people and that and that breaks it for you that that stinks you just gotta find you have to find your core group um and if that changes over the years that's fine but you need to find your people 
that make you feel okay to make the mistakes. Yeah, and like my my first experience with D and D, it was terrible, it, just absolutely atrociously <laughs> terrible. Uh, and as I got older and tried to, to play with some of the same people, I had some really bad experiences. Uh, I remember one of the times uh, like I was going into a, a like detailed character history. Uh, we were going around introducing our characters and uh, I went into this whole shtick about this character that I was playing was an artist and, and that they used like they saw combat as its own form of blah, blah, blah. And the guy who was running the game looked at me and said, shut the fuck up, Ken. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And just completely shut me down. And that, that was actually one of the last times that I, I ever played with with those people. Uh, and uh, it was years before I played again. I found another little small group that I, I played. Uh, we actually did a lot of uh, vampire uh, uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, and and then after that, it was, it was a really long time before we, we all started playing. And I've had more fun playing with you guys, both in the podcast and in our personal game nights than I ever had when I was younger playing this game. And that's that uh, that is entirely due to the company that I keep for these games. So uh, thank you both for, uh, you know, not telling me to shut the fuck up and that nobody cares. <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate you you listening to the crazy that spews out of my mouth sometimes when I'm running these games. Well, and uh, despite Brad and I's reactions, we appreciate the crazy that spews out of your mouth while you run these games. Uh, so Agreed. what one last thing that we uh, I, I wanted to talk about before we get done is uh, King Jubilee being dethroned. Not thrilled. I mean, I agree with what Tyrillian said about how, like, we all knew what he was. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, yeah. But still, and nice words from Tyrillian or not, Harkos is going to feel moderately not not in a like very negative way, but he's always just going to be like, I should have said a different <laughs> lie. Like, also, fuck you for that. But that's beside the point. <laughs> Uh, it not that uh, I'll be this guy. As soon as you said that, I was like, "Oh man, that's gonna get places." Like it worked in the moment, and you saved people's lives with it, and it made a hundred percent complete sense. And it would have to anybody you were saying it to. I was like, "Oh man, that's he's gonna be mad at me when I bring that one back around." And you know, I feel shitty for it, but I it made it was sense though. Like it was, it was a bullet that they could fire, and they did. You know, it, it it's as simple as that. And and like Tyrillian said, uh, and and this is you know that was maybe also partially me saying it was that there this would have happened eventually. It's. Just, it, either it would have been his own doing or it would have been something that somebody else said or just the the this whole thing in general that you know a fucking dragon rose from underneath the king's keep yeah it wasn't like it was somewhere else in town it was underneath the king's keep 
it's hard to to it, it's hard to make people believe that he would have had no idea or that somebody around him would have had no idea to be able to tell them. So, you know, it, it would have happened probably at some point. It's just that was the ammunition that they used to make it happen. It makes sense. Uh, it just fucking blows. It does. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how that all plays out next episode, or at least part of it next episode. Yeah. Uh, Alright, well... Any other final thoughts, questions, or concerns before we close up the trench coat? I got nothing. Um, <clears throat> All right. Well, I don't think so. I uh, one final question, and maybe uh, if we if we want to cut this, then that's fine. Uh, there, Nick. It depends on what you want to do. But with Phil gone, are you going to try to fill that spot? with somebody else I don't know yet me personally I don't, I don't, I don't know yet I like there's there's a weird part of me that thinks yes we should but then the question becomes with who right and I think and, you have a lot of candidates yeah that could easily step in and be extraordinarily helpful so this is the, where where my mind kind of went after the the dice made their decision on on all this is that it makes sense that Phil got you this far, but he's just kind of a dude. Uh, you have a lot of very competent people around you that could step into that role and probably, like it, at least in terms of the narrative, would be more ready to tackle the challenges that you have ahead. So, you know, take that for what it is. I was curious if you had thought about it, like, in passing at all in, in the time between when it happened and now. I was I was just curious, and uh, I guess my curiosity is sated for now. Uh, but We're going rec- to recruit my dad. I, I'm Ken. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and throw in my veto on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing that we that we didn't talk about. I'm sorry, we missed is uh, that uh, Lena and the Drow came up from the Underdark. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. I uh, came up that, from the Underdark that, and and pledged to uh, you know like made an allegiance with the with the surface uh, at least with the people of Aetherport. Uh, and created their their new clan, which is uh, they called Undersoul. Uh, uh, kind of owing uh, soul is in like sun. Uh-huh. Uh, that they seem to be kind of in in reverence to this thing that they've been shut off from for their whole lives. Uh, kind of that that's what they're calling back to with that. Uh, so that's another that's another big happening that we completely skipped over and, and I kind of forgot about in the moment, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty big event for, you know, drought to actually come to the surface and be like, Hey, 
Let's work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's another one we need to talk to before we leave town. But all right, that that was that was the last thing. So I am in fact Ken. I'm Brad still. And and I'm Nick as well. <laughs> you were unequivocally Nick. Uh thank you all very much and we will talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Love you. Stop it recording. Stop it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.